Hey, this is Alex Maycock, and you're listening to Trail Tales ARP Run Wild. From the trails to the road to the track. If it's running, you'll find it right here on Trail Tales ARP. Run wild. Hey guys, welcome to Trail Tales ARP Running Podcast. Sean Soban back with you once again. And I've got a familiar name and voice for you to hear today. And that is Alex Maycock. Alex, how are you today? Good, thanks, Sean. I'm excited to be back, back chatting with you. It's been too long since we caught up. Yeah, man, it has it has been quite some time. And uh, you've uh, recently departed Orangeville and you're up in North Bay. Um back back into the physiology lab at your school but we'll get into that in a little bit let's talk about um let's just get right into this man and talk about your summer here uh in dufferin county and and what you were up to all summer yeah so i had a really exciting spring and summer i I finished my undergrad at at nipissing university last spring and throughout that time i kind of realized that coaching was something i was really passionate about in fourth year, I had uh, the opportunity to be an assistant coach with my home club of Mono Nordic, the ski club right in town. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of fun with that, kind of sharing a lot of the knowledge that I'd learned through elementary school, high school, and four years of university, both as a, as a student and, a, and an athlete. I was able to, I think, share some of that knowledge. And then I decided what better way after my undergrad than to kind of start my own coaching business and work with kind of like-minded young athletes. So in June and July at the Orangeville District Secondary School track, the high school track that I went to, I had um, a small youth running group of about 15 kids between the ages of 10 and 16 coming out doing track workouts with me regularly. And so we would do drills, some, some basic running drills, usually run a track workout and finish with some core strength. So basically building these foundational skills that I, I developed as, um, as an athlete myself, kind of in their shoes only less than a decade ago. Yeah. And now um, hopefully they're, they're going to remember those track sessions and apply it to their other sports. Like we had quite, I had quite a few soccer players out. Um, some some cross-country skiers out and, and runners out many of them going into high school now so i'm going to be keeping tabs on them and seeing them represent the orangeville area now yeah that's that's really exciting man what a great way to kind of you know use your talents and your skills and your knowledge that you've acquired um yeah. and, and to give back to the community for sure and what was so cool to me is it was just an eight-week program but the progress that i saw and the eagerness of, of the majority of them was was incredible. I started with um, basic time trials. We did a 1500 meter or 800, depending on what they preferred, if they're a little bit speed or, or endurance focus. So some okay. of them did an eight or a 15 and then, then a 400 also for a bit more speed. And then eight, eight weeks later at the end of the program, we tracked their progress and it was cool to see a lot of them shave uh, a couple seconds off just in, in, in those weeks of training. So well, that's remarkable, man. It sounds yeah. like you, it sounds like you know what you're doing, Coach Alex. <laughs> it was a fun time and and cool to see uh, see them them have fun with it. 
Yeah. What, what, what a great way to spend the summer. So how many sessions a week did you guys meet up? We had two sessions weekly, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. And then I also worked at a, a summer camp at Island Lake. Nice. Which is, I was as a program director there. That was a, a fun, fun opportunity too. Oh, good stuff, man. Um, so speaking of Island Lake, uh, in October, the Compass Run for Food is going to be taking place there. And mm -hmm. uh, you've been doing some work with them as well, have you not? Yeah, so that's, that's exciting. I think that Compass Run for Food is, is a phenomenal community event. The, the amount of money they raise for food banks in, in Orangeville and the Dufferin area is, is amazing. And I, I wanted to help reach out to that that community of runners and give them a way to prepare properly for a five kilometer event rather than just kind of showing up on race day with a bit of uncertainty of how to prepare. Yeah. I, I created, um, I believe about a, a three month program for them. So in order to prepare for that race, so incorporating some track workouts and easy runs, even some strength and conditioning, basically just periodize that lead up through, through uh, August, September, October, prepare them for, for the race. Nice, man. You know, I was hoping to kind of go in there and clean up, but now that you've trained a bunch of people that are going to be there, I don't know what my chances are going to be. <laughs> I, I don't know, Sean, you've been, tra you've been training a lot. I've been following uh, all your runs with Piper there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if I could get Piper. If, if she can drag me along, I might have it. I might have a chance. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> you should. Yeah. So yeah, Compass Run for Food is really awesome. So this year it's going to be October 2nd, 2021. Um, they have a 5k run walk. So if you're just kind of a casual athlete, they have a 10 and a half K run and then the kids fun run, which is really cool. And, um, you know, since 2014, they've raised $250,000 to feed kids and families here in Dufferin County. So they're doing great work. And their goal this year in 2021 is to donate $65,000 to our local community. And it's amazing. And they, I think they still offer the virtual option this year as well, if you can't make it to Island Lake on race day or anything. So that's always great. And you know, what's awesome too is, um, they had their, if you follow compass, uh, compass run for food, um, on Instagram, they've been giving away, uh, gift certificates for some local restaurants like Dairy Queen, Champ Burger, which is a great place. And, uh, Pita Pit in Orangeville. And I actually won one of the competitions. So my kids are all psyched up about the getting ice cream cake from Dairy Queen and the champ burger. I'm keeping for myself because I love, <laughs> I love some champ burger, but yeah, it was oh, pretty yeah. cool. So shout out to those sponsors and compass run for food for kind of engaging with everybody and doing that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really cool, man. And with uh, that virtual event, Sean, I think participants are even allowed to run their 5k anytime in, in October, if I'm correct. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. That's right. So you don't have to do it on the day. So it, it is mm -hmm. nice to have that virtual option. I don't think those are going to be going away once we get back to having like live events everywhere again. It's, mm -hmm. it's nice to have that virtual option to still participate in runs like compass run for food. They're kind of giving back to the community and mm -hmm. uh, you can still, you know, get some swag and, and uh, be part of it, even if you can't make it live. So, Oh, I have their website up and I just saw a picture of you right across. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice, nice running pose there, buddy. Good stuff. So yeah, and, it. go ahead. So my, my hope there was just that these training plans create some accessibility to, to free coaching in terms of what a good lead into to something like this, this 5k would very progressive, like starting with shorter runs and kind of building that through to a couple of weeks before the run and then slowly tapering back and doing some sharpening workouts. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and for people who you haven't been coached before, like you said, um, or aren't really sure if it's something they want to want to shell out for, for you to offer it to people for free is is fantastic, and yeah. it's available for anybody and everybody, right? Exactly. They're online. Uh, Google Google Sheets, so you can anyone can access those. They're they're public links. So perfect, perfect. Um, so yeah, if you want to check out compass run for food for our listeners here, it's just compassrun.com, and it'll take you right to the website and tell you all about it. And, um, what would, how would they access the, uh, the 5k running plan again? So where would they find that? It's on Google sheets, but is there a link or something we can put in the show notes or do you have? Exactly. So right through the compass run website also, they have like a, a training plan section. Oh, okay. Should, okay. should give access right to, to those two programs of mine. One being like a beginner kind of walk run to start program and then a little bit more advanced for those with some racing experience. Okay. perfect. Yeah. We should tag those to to the video. Yeah. I'll certainly, I'll certainly do that. I'll, I'll get those up on the show notes. If people want to check that out, go right ahead. Yeah. Still Um, lots of time to prep like over a month still. Oh yeah. Easy peasy. You can, you can, you know, you can do that in a month. Um, you know, it's not as great as three months, but a month is still better than a week. <laughs> Do you have any races lined up, Sean? So, yeah, I am. So I'm going to be participating in Compass Run for Food and um, Island Lake Classic, too, by Gotta Run Racing. Um, I've signed up for that. So it was interesting. Uh, Norm and I had a bet. Uh, we each had interviewed um, athletes that were going to compete um, in the Canadian death race. No, it wasn't the Canadian Death Race. It was a Sinister Seven. Sorry, it's it's all run by the same company out in Alberta. And uh, so, you know, we we bet on our guests and our athletes to to win, and um, I lost the bet. <laughs> so the the stakes were that uh, if I lost, I was going to either run the Chase the Coyote or the Iron Lake Classic. Uh, so really, you know, I didn't mind losing because <laughs> I get to go into do a race. Yeah, and and. Um, Unfortunately, Chase the Coyote is not going to run this year because the provincial parks, I guess, aren't giving out permits. So that was a big bummer. But uh, Island Lake Classic is a go, and it's going to be a live event. Um, But for myself, I couldn't um, make the live event because I am working. So thankfully, they do have the um, virtual option. So I'm going to be running it virtually on a day that uh, I can work. And I'm actually going to... uh, go out with norm he's going to take me out in the route and stuff and we're going to have we're going to have a nice run together so that will be, are you doing the five cool. or ten for that sean uh i signed up for the ten and yeah. um is, is the the race date labor day like usual yes i think yes. i just i just happened to be working on that day I on that monday september 6th I think yeah that's date. right monday yeah monday the yeah 6th. cool yeah so so it's a bummer i know i gotta be at work but uh either way still gonna have a good time and yeah. And run it and get a medal so that's that's gonna be cool <laughs> and i expect really good athlete turnout there knowing that in the dufferin county area we haven't had in-person running races in 18 months or something like that like that i expect it to be quite big and quite competitive with a number of, of the orangeville high school students participating and, oh, and yeah. local elite runners so yeah, no, absolutely. And actually, when I when I did go online, and this was a this was a few weeks ago, there weren't many spots left. Okay, right? so so if you are listening to this, and you're interested, and you're in in the Dufferin County, Orangeville area, uh, yeah, go I think it's gotterunracing.com. And you can still sign up there. Uh, I think they do it through race roster. Cool. Uh, so I, if there's still spots, I don't even know anymore. But yeah, uh, September 6 2021 is a date. Uh, they also have 
Ooh, I'm going to pop up here. Sorry, I'm just looking on my screen as I talk so I can give uh, good, yeah. good information on them. Let's, you know, I love the work jo uh, Jody and Norm do. So we're going to ask them a shout out. So they have, uh, so in-person virtual Island Lake Classic. Rainbow Trail Run is virtual. Trace Cody is going to be uh, in the virtual capacity. And they actually have a really cool thing they've been doing all year is the Canada's National Parks 10K series. Nice. So it's a series of races um, that go across a national park in every province um, in the country. So, and the, and the medals are really cool because they all like click together like puzzle pieces. So you can get a collection and they all look a little bit different. Nice. And, and then they're also doing um, right now the Monarch Ultra Virtual. Uh, it's a 10K that somebody would, you know, you would sign up for it. And their goal is to get somebody running, I think in every state and province and to accumulate the amount of mileage that it takes for the Monarch Ultras to do their migration. So, nice. yeah, okay. so that that's, it's, it's really cool. Kind of neat idea like that. And the metal looks like a nice Monarch butterfly. So yeah, yeah gotta run racing.com, uh, Jody and Norm. Nice. They put on, they put on great events and, yes. and check out their podcast too. Cause they got a pretty good podcast. Yeah. And speaking of Jody and Norm, I have them to thank too, for that, uh, that youth running program that I created this summer. I had a good chat with them. I said, I'm thinking of starting this coaching business. And they said, well, a really niche market there in, in Orange is we're lacking some kind of a, a track program structure. So I decided, you know what? I wanted to be able to, to create something accessible for, for Orange youth and, they're like, this is, this is the, the great idea for you. Give that a try. And it took off. I was pretty happy to get 15. Um, and I didn't push it too much on the advertising thing, just being, being a COVID year, I wanted to keep it small, but mm -hmm. um, I think it was, it was a really good experience for me and them. It was highly productive. So. Yeah, that's great. And so what are your future plans with, with that uh, program? Are you going to carry it on when you come back? Are you going to pass the torch off to somebody else? Or? Yeah, I'd certainly like to. And I want to stay involved in coaching in, in some capacity um, forever, especially just knowing, knowing my passion for it. But mm. it, it, with my now starting my master's degree, a two-year program, I'll probably be in, in North Bay fairly full-time until uh, this time in, in two years. But I, I still plan to be around Orange when I can and interact on the coaching scene a little bit, or, or maybe I'll start some things up in North Bay too. Cool. Yeah. Just kind of carry it with you and wherever you are, kind of, yeah. kind of share that, share that. Uh, it's a gift really to be able to, to run and do that. And, you know, right. to, share, to share it with youth who are up and coming, you're, you're setting a good foundation for them. For sure. Right? Yeah. For and, and there's definitely a lot of, of fun and joy and writing great, quality training programs for people that you know you can see their their improvements in the training program but actually those in-person practices seeing seeing improvements in in running form or the workout splits and cheering the person on is, is a little bit different in some way yeah oh for sure man and it's it's like it's like watching you know we talked about monarch butterflies it's like watching a little caterpillar into a cocoon and at the end of it they're this beautiful butterfly and you see all the progress they've made right yeah maybe yeah, that's a crappy sure. analogy but you know no, I mean. for sure for sure that growth yeah absolutely man and, and just you know it doesn't matter how great the plan is they've, they've got to do the work to get the results right so mm -hmm. it's it's really cool to see that and watch that and and to be a part of that as a coach yeah absolutely yeah man so um Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about what you're up to right now. Cool. Sounds good.
All right, now I'll just like edit in a little quick commercial, whatever. Okay. Okay. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Alex Maycock with me, or Coach Alex Maycock, rather, uh, who is up in North Bay, Nipissing University, working on his master's. And uh, so you've been up in North Bay for, was it two weeks now? Yeah, I came up in, in early to, to mid-August, and I've, I've been doing some training up here. I'm also uh, continuing my, my varsity athlete scene on, on both the cross-country running and cross-country skiing teams here. Um, I'm preparing for the World Student Games in, in Switzerland this December, so that'll be, be a really exciting opportunity for me. In 2019, I, I raced in Russia. Yep. And so now about three years later, I've bit that much more experience and that much more athlete maturity that I'm ready to go and uh, have some solid racing in Switzerland. Yeah, that's going to be super exciting. So I guess, you know, it did, uh, the event didn't happen in 2020 because of COVID and everything. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, I guess, do you know if it's going to look a little bit different this year in terms of like spectators and stuff like that? Is it going to be mm -hmm. a little bit early to, to know for sure, but I could see it looking similar to the Summer Olympics and that maybe no spectators and maybe um, some restrictions on, on what the, the athlete allowances will be like. But right. ultimately, you know, it's, it's going to be exciting to, to just be able to show up and, and perform again because I've been out of the kind of even like provincial and national racing. It's been... Uh, since two two winters ago so i'm i'm ready to 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 go again yeah sounds sounds like you're chomping at the bit so um before we start recording you had mentioned you're going to go up there a little bit ahead of time mm -hmm. and uh you're going to be up at altitude for a bit are you are you not before the race exactly so there's a few different venues whether in, in switzerland or italy maybe davos switzerland or um gome switzerland maybe Lavigno, Italy, and go up to altitude, maybe around 1500 or 1800 meters. So I'd fly over kind of around, around November 30th and spend about 10 days at a altitude slightly higher than my race venue in central Switzerland at Lucerne. Mm -hmm. That altitude's about 1300 meters where I'll be racing. So kind of being able to have some of those blood adaptations. So increasing the, the red blood cell and hemoglobin leading into to the lower altitude venue that should have some positive adaptations really taking 10 days or so super low easy low heart rate easy training to just maximize my my preparation yeah and um if i recall correctly you haven't had an opportunity to do this uh type of prep before a race at altitude have you not yeah and that's one of the the big things that the, the altitude scientists and, and coaches discuss, you know, what's the feasibility of, of doing that some of the time, like, or as a, as a student athlete, how practical is it to head out to something well in advance? Um, I've kind of locked out with the timing of it. It's end of semester. Um, I have a, a little bit of flexibility there with my program. I've, I've, I've locked out and I, I'm basically going to be able to spend that additional time there at, at a normal altitude because mm -hmm. the other option is just bringing in let's say a, a tent over your bed and kind of simulating the altitude you could do a small environmental chamber in your bedroom yeah or arrive within 12 or 24 hours and hope that the effects aren't quite as bad 
Um, but often it is kind of that second, third day you you start to notice the altitude effect. This yeah. way uh, I'll be fully acclimated because other opportunities out in Canmore and uh, and British Columbia, I haven't necessarily always had the best races. It's been a little bit more hit and mess. So mm-hmm. looking forward to, to having a proper lead in. Yeah, because you were saying before, like um, in those other races where you were racing at an altitude that you normally don't train at or live at, um, you felt like you were kind of, I guess, um, hitting the red line, if you will, a little mm-hmm. bit sooner than you normally would expect, right? So it exactly. really, really puts you at a disadvantage. Yeah. And I, I've noticed that we've definitely talked with that um, altitude athletes coming down to, to sea level, the, the enhanced performance just from having those greater number of red blood cells. Yeah. Um, so I think having that additional preparation phase at a higher altitude even but the key there is to monitor my body's response so we'll be looking at things like heart rate variability how do i how do i feel overall and hydration is super important Mm -hmm. that's one of the the acute responses to heading to altitude kind of increased ventilation rate so you're going to lose a bit more water that way um so making sure that I'm drinking lots and monitoring urine. Actually, I'll, I'll probably take a urine gravity system to, oh, wow. to kind of look at how um, the solute concentrations in, in the urine also. Okay, good stuff. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, so um, like you said, the increased uh, ventilation rate would cause a little bit um, more fluid loss. And that's simply just because there's moisture in our breath, right? So you're going to be losing right. losing fluid through that way is that what you're talking about exactly and increased urine production too is another response is it really i didn't know yeah that. increased urine production and increased um respiration rate yeah. and then so actually then your your plasma volume will go down and your heart rate to will increase to compensate for that yeah so i remember like i've been sitting in a car sometimes out at 1600 1700 meters driving to a race venue and i'm over 100 beats per minute no kidding whereas normally at sea level i'm resting you know just sitting in a car probably 50s or 60s 70s just depending on on energy that day and the body's response but it it, until you fully acclimated i i notice it a lot in my heart rate yeah And, and and that does make sense right because your body needs to make all these adaptations to to feed to feed the oxygen to the cells, right? Exactly. Yeah, lot lot to think about. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even consider kidney function uh, in yeah. that equation. So that's that's going to be pretty interesting. So I'm glad that uh, you know this winter. It sounds like you're going to be able to level the playing field for yourself a little, which which is great. And and you know, like kind of get to experience a bit more time in Europe. I've been fortunate in grade twelve to spend. Uh, about two or three weeks in, in Switzerland and Austria. So I'm, I'm looking forward to spending some more time again. Oh, for sure. For sure. So um, with your time that you've had up there so far, uh, you've been kind of spending some time in the lab and the physiology lab that you have up there. Yeah. yeah. So tell, tell us about the, the wild and crazy experiments you're working on. So, yeah, I'm basically for my master's research, I'll be looking at exercise and environmental physiology and particularly the effects of beetroot juice so we'll be looking at 70 milliliter beetroot shots um we're going to be looking at that at altitude so altitude will be my environmental stressor that i'll i'll be looking at 
Nice. Other students have looked at heat stress. I've had uh, a friend who's gone through the master's program looking at uh, the effects of active heat training. So cycling in the heat at 40 mm -hmm. degrees. Does, does that active heat training help cycling performance at altitude? But instead of um, kind of a, a training intervention, I'm just gonna be looking at a supplement intervention. So does simply taking beetroot juice about an hour before, which is high in dietary nitrates, does that enhance performance at altitude, particularly very anaerobic based sprint racing at altitude? So I'm gonna simulate kind of high intensity interval sets of four sets of 30 seconds on, 15 seconds off. So it'll be, that's about, I'll do four reps of that. So 16 30 second intervals over the whole workout duration and three minute rest between sets, if okay. that makes sense. So 30 on, 15 off, 30 on, 15 off. And then, um, yeah. So is this going to be you running on a treadmill with the, with it's the... going to be on the cross country skiing ergometer. So oh, how cool. that works, it's like a rowing ergometer, but instead of being flat on the ground, basically put it upright. And oh, then wow. your hands are in there like double pulling in the cross country ski motion. So you're using some more upper body musculature. And the interesting thing about our upper body musculature, you might know this, um, is that it's very type two fiber dominant compared mm -hmm. to the, the lower body, you know, our um, soleus and gastrox, some of the more uh, posture muscles and, and some of the um, spinal muscles. Those are a little bit more posture-based muscles and they're um, type one dominant. But our, our hope is that looking at some of these type two fibers with more anaerobic components, perhaps the beetroot will help, help under those conditions. So making both a very anaerobic environment of maybe get setting the chamber, we're not totally sure, between 2,000 and 3,000 meters, um, doing a very anaerobic exercise using kind of anaerobic fiber types. Mm -hmm. So d d does that have the effect we expect um, nitric oxide to have? Yeah. Now that's really, that's really cool that you're going to be, you know, kind of putting, putting the theory to the test with this. Exactly. It, it, Cause we, cause uh, if, for those listening, if you haven't, uh, we have a coach talk episode uh, a little while back anyways, um, about beetroot juice and, and the effects of it. And you, you wrote a great article. Um, actually, the, I, I post on last thing, the website's down right now. I didn't renew the website, but I'll put that article. Uh, I can link it still uh, through the Facebook page or whatever, if anybody wants to read it. So cool. um, yeah, that'll be, that'll be there for people. Um, I'll have to write that down. So I remember to do I'd that. I'd like to, <laughs> to keep some of those coach talk articles going. I'll, I'll send a, a few more your way as the year goes on too. Yeah, for sure, man. It's, it's one of those things I really enjoy doing, but you know, for both of us too, like full plates, right? So it's hard to kind of, kind of, kind of keep track and, and I know. stay on top of it's, things, it's, but it's yeah, easy. it's not dead. We're keeping it alive. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. So dude, that's really cool. And, and one thing I remember reading somewhere sometime was that, um, you had mentioned that other study where they looked at, um, training in the heat and seeing if that would help with with altitude cycling, it's really exciting. Mm. I've heard or read that uh, training in in those hot conditions can can kind of simulate and maybe provide some of the same uh, physiological adaptations as altitude training. Do you know much about that? Because it would be great to compare compare those results to yours once you get yours all done and all the data in and processed and analyzed. Yeah, so exactly, you're right. Um, 
I think that active active training in the heat and I was reading about some of the Tokyo prep even athletes finishing those super hot sessions and I know 30 let's say 30 35 maybe even 40 degrees whether that could be in a chamber or wearing a lot of sweatshirts and sweatpants yeah then following that up in a hot tub so exacerbating the effects of of the heat so putting your body under additional heat trap. oh wow and so think about the fluid loss from that i think that's the biggest concern is monitoring monitoring your fluid intake but for mm-hmm. when you're looking at the actual heat stress preparing for um something like tokyo especially the marathon running or um or race walking when you're out there for two three four hours hugely important to to try that adaptation ahead of time and yeah. what are your strategies going to be mid-race i saw a lot of them doing ice ice on the head and around the next kind of very accessible ways to to cool the blood flow i think even forearms is another place with a lot of vasculature you could cool yep armpits as well yeah yeah but i I definitely agree i've heard that too very um cross adaptations between heat training to altitude so i think it's um hypoxic inducible factor and there's these heat shock proteins also so it could be these heat shock proteins that have some type of um correlation to altitude also cool i have never heard of those heat shock proteins but i guess you know just it's just a, a pathway that gets uh triggered i guess when you are in that type of environment eh? mm-hmm. oh, man, and ultimately cool. some of those adaptation that you're looking for is expanding that plasma volume right yes. um how much blood can we we circulate around and we've i've talked with that too about with my supervisors how um once you are quite endurance trained, you already have quite high levels of, of blood plasma. How much more room is there that that extra training stress is going to put on your body that might mm-hmm. take away from your recovery? So I think as a coach, that, that's part of the art is, is periodizing when you're going to be doing such um, invasive training, like um, all that heat stress. You might not want to do it... Um, directly before an event if let's if you you're going to be tired from it it might be important to do it a month out or or two weeks out and then give your body a little bit of time to recharge and reset does that make sense rather than going in so tired yeah that makes absolute sense and it's it's a great um great thought process you have there because yeah if, if you do that you're putting you know, huge stress on your body. And, mm-hmm. you know, we know that recovery is, is super important, right? So yeah, you want to give yourself, you got to find the sweet spot, I guess. And I guess everybody could be different. I mean, you can have guidelines, but you have to find that sweet spot. So you have enough recovery time that you're still, you still have the benefits you had from all the training, right? Like not enough time exactly. so that those that you start to lose the benefits or not, you know, um, you don't want to have a, a short period of time, whereas you're not recovered enough to be able to perform at your best. So it's kind right. of finding, finding that sweet spot. And, you know, how do you, how do you calculate? Is there a formula for that? I don't know. You kind of, I guess a lot of it's trial and error too. Exactly. Right? Coaching with a lot of experience and athletes knowing what's worked for them in the past. Now I know altitude, the effects of, of kind of that increased red blood cell count, increased hematocrit will last for about a month after returning to sea level. So you should hold some of those adaptations for about a month. Okay. But the actual effects of 
heat adaptation, how long that would carry over. I don't know if it would be a month, perhaps, but uh, it'd be worth worth looking into more and playing with. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's it, it's. I, I always love my conversations with you because we, you know, it really gets that uh, that little hamster in my brain kind of spinning, <laughs> the, spinning the wheel a little faster and and looking yeah. at different types of advantages you can look for or things like that. Right? It's just ah, mm-hmm. it's fun stuff, man. It's fun stuff. Yeah. So so you're gonna be doing that. Um, is that gonna be a big part of your work on your master's this this term? Yeah, so actually my first study is going to be that sprint protocol that I talked about, the four sets of four by 30 on 15 on. Yep. We're going to basically see what the reproducibility effects are. I'm going to have some non-ski specific endurance trained athletes. So I'll have some cyclists, runners, rowers come in and try out my protocol as kind of a endurance group, non-ski specific trained. And then I'll also have ski trained endurance athletes and because i and see how many practice trials it takes for the um less trained or non-trained skiing athletes to become um to be able to produce valid reliable consistent um efforts it per they'll, they'll come in and try my session four times and i'll see on average how many times it takes for participants with less skiing background to um, learn the biomechanics of it Mm -hmm. and produce consistent efforts. Oh, that's really neat. And then Um, I'll compare that to the the skiing group. And then when I actually conduct the study with beetroot, I'm going to know how many sessions it takes for them to to basically produce consistent efforts. Because the last thing before I I add that that independent variable of beetroot juices you need to know that your variables stay consistent, that there's no training effect and there's no biomechanical effect. The mm-hmm. only thing that's affecting the results is whether they've taken the beetroot or not. Absolutely. And, and, you know, once you learn what the training effect might be without using the beetroot juice, you yeah. can, you can absolutely um, take that into consideration when you're analyzing the data with the beetroot juice, right? Exactly. So yeah. What kind of, um, um, sample population are you looking at? How many, how many sample or subjects do you want to have? Especially if that first one's going to be publishable by the end of my two year degree, I'd like to have about 10, 10 in the, um, endurance group and 10 in the ski, ski trained group and okay. probably very similar for the beetroot study. But as long as I have enough of a sample size to, to find a trend, let's say I have four or five who've done it from each group and I can can find that two or three practice sessions is enough yeah. then i can start my um, study with beetroot and go ahead and and see the effects of the beetroot oh man you've put a lot of thought into into your methodology here <laughs> one thing we haven't even talked about is the effect of, of diet uh sleep and recovery status so some of the things we're doing to control that is either limit cap no caffeine or keep that consistent we're still talking about that should they just if you have a cup of coffee every morning maybe you keep that the same all the time um just because you wouldn't want them to have poor performance as a result of of missing something that's part of their habitual state and um maybe we need to do some diet tracking and suggest keeping their their diet consistent and then um, no alcohol or or um, 
high high intensity exercise in the 24 or 48 hours preceding each of those bouts yeah and then i'll probably separate those by 48 hours or 24 hours each of the the test test runs same time of day for all of those try to stay right in the same circadian rhythm yeah controlling as many of the variables eh? like that's the whole that's probably one of the biggest things that i took away from my undergraduate with thesis where i looked at um the effects of, of baking soda uh, sodium bicarbonate on skiing performance out yeah. in the field setting so now i have the variables of sunlight on the snow grooming surfaces when was the last snowfall um so that was the challenge of doing a field study i'm yeah. looking forward to to a controlled environment in the lab yeah yeah so that's a great tool to have at your disposal for sure mm -hmm. Oh man, Matt. So you're going from coach to mad scientist now. <laughs> yeah, I guess a combination of the two. I mean, I'm, I'm coaching a few ski athletes in the winter too. So that'll keep me busy. Oh, absolutely, man. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So when does your semester actually start? Are you looking at like September 7th or? Yeah, the, the Tuesday, the 7th. And it's nice. I have uh, three courses in exercise physiology, research methods, and a seminar. And then mm -hmm. I'll have a statistics course in the in the winter semester and then second year will be all all in on the research side and what's also exciting is i have a ta ship for be a teaching assistant for probably some of the second and third year physiology courses so i'm looking forward to that i'll find out which courses pretty soon oh that's going to be exciting too yeah and i think that will be a little bit more on the marking side me yeah we'll see the if there's anything else besides that but Hopefully there can be a little bit of working with the students in, in a small capacity. Absolutely, man. It'll, it'll keep you sharp too, right? Exactly. Yeah, man. So, so Alex, you got, you got a lot on the go. You've, you've, you've done so much this summer and giving back to the community, um, which, which is fantastic. And, you know, now you're up in North Bay and, and continuing your academic career with some pretty exciting stuff, I think for sure. Um, so what else do you, what else would you like to talk about right now before we kind of get to the end of our time here? I thought there was something else we were going to discuss and I honestly, I can't remember off the top of my head right now. I don't have, I th those were the three things I had written down was, was talking about the compass run and, and, uh, coaching with that, my own little bit of summer and coaching plans there. And then my research at this point, I think that's been a pretty productive discussion. It, it, was it was really fun. It was really awesome and tons of fun, Alex. So I guess with that, man, we'll, we'll end things off. Um, me from Shelburne, you from North Bay, and we'll, you know, we'll give the customary run wild, my friend. Yeah. yeah run wild. And I'll tell you what, I'm home for, for reading week, mid October. Let's meet up for a run then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know yeah. what? Because we didn't, uh, I don't even remember the last time we got together. We must've been in the spring for uh at the off off hockley road on the yeah. bruce trail yeah. yeah that's right so yeah okay october it is man maybe we'll uh, yeah. record while we're out there on the trail see what we do okay that'd be sweet <laughs> yeah. okay and that's a wrap on another great episode of trail tales arp a running podcast thanks so much everybody for your continued support and always listening to the show and and investing your time and energy uh, with me here. Really do appreciate it. If you want more Trail Tales ARP or if you want to help support our show, uh, please subscribe to us on any podcast uh, player that you listen to. Leave us a review, rate us, follow us on Instagram. Uh, send the show an email, trailtalesarp at gmail.com and tell your friends. We'd really appreciate it. 
Run wild, everybody. We'll catch you next week.